the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Whether you're an engineer or a public servant, a policeman, or, or whether you're a school teacher or you're a doctor, or whether you're a janitor, whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God and the expanse of His kingdom. When we encounter God, it changes us. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you've had a God moment? When's the last time you've had a fresh encounter? An experience with a living God whose power and presence transformed you. Last week, we began to look at the life of Moses, and we learned an important truth. God is on the move. Say that with me. Say, God is on the move. Even when you don't see him, even when you don't feel him, even when you don't understand his ways, God is on the move. He's working even sometime in the background for your good and his glory. He's working to accomplish his purpose and his plan in our world. We began to look at Moses and we saw that from birth, God was touching his life with his sovereign hand. I need to remind you of something today. That's not just true of Moses. That's true of you. The Bible says that while you were in your mother's womb, God knew you and he was preparing for you the plans that he had set forth for you. We call that God's providence. It's the hand of God over the ark of history. And we saw that from the birth of Moses. He was born into a setting where a king had come along that no longer knew Joseph, one of the patriarchs of the faith. He no longer knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he began to persecute the people of God, the children of Israel. He hated them so much so that he ordered that the babies be killed and that those that were born be thrown into the river. That's when Moses is born. His mother takes him, puts him in a basket. It's like an ark, the deliverance of God. Puts him in the river, and because of God's providence, God's sovereign hand, remember, nothing happens in our life that God either doesn't cause or he allows. And so because of God's work in the midst of Moses' life, the daughter of the king was at the river that day. She sees that baby, and she takes him to be her own adopting her, him into her family, even allowing his birth mother to, to help raise this child. And we see God providing for Moses. For the first 40 years of his life, he grew up in the king, the Pharaoh's home. 
And then one day, he began to discover his identity, something that you and I have to do, where we understand that if we are to encounter God, we must turn our backs on that which we were apart from God. And so he begins to identify with his people, the children of Israel. He sees one of them suffering, and he ends up killing an Egyptian man. He didn't think anyone saw him, but he was wrong. And so the next day, people began to come after him, and Moses fled. That's where we're going to pick up our story today in Exodus chapter 3. If you have your copy of God's Word as you turn there, I want to remind you of what Exodus 2 ends with. It tells us that God knew what was going on, not only in Moses' life, but in all of the people of the children of Israel. He heard, he remembered, he saw, and he knew what was best for them. And that's true for you and me as well. God hears you. God sees you. He remembers the promises he's made to you, and he knows what's best for you. So as we find him in Exodus chapter 3, God moves from the background to the foreground. He's about to flip the script, if you will. He's going to break his silence. And some of you today, you're not unlike the children of Israel or even Moses was. For the children of Israel, it had been 400 years. It was like it was at the end of the Old Testament when Malachi ends and before Matthew begins, we have 400 years of silence from God. Since Jacob, God has been silent to his people. He hasn't spoken directly to his people. For Moses, we know from Stephen in Acts chapter 7 that it's been 40 years since he fled. He's in the desert. God's been silent. And maybe today you feel like God's been silent. You need a God moment. You need a fresh encounter. You need to experience God in a living way in his power and his presence. So I want to pause and I want to pray. And I want to ask God to meet us here to let us encounter him so that we might experience him in this moment. Let's pray together. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we've gathered and we've worshiped you, and we've been reminded that your faithfulness is great, that your promises never fail, that you pick us up when we've fallen. Oh, thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace. You're so good. We love you. And we've come to worship you, but we know part of worship is just encountering you and hearing from you. And Lord, we know there's no burning bush here today, but we would ask that you speak to us just as clearly as you spoke to Moses on the day we're about to read about. So God, open our eyes, giving us ears to hear, teaching us those things that we need to know so that we walk away receiving from you and being changed by you. Lord, I certainly don't want to get in the way of that in my life or anyone else's. So let the words I say in the meditation, the thoughts in my heart be pleasing to you in this moment. And, and God, in this moment, meet us and change us. And Lord, for someone today, save them forever. So Lord, we want to say thank you because we believe you want us to have these moments, these encounters, 
these experiences with you. So thank you in advance. And we ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. In chapter 2, you might remember he's referred to as Ruel. Not uncommon, like me, like many of you, he had two names. Not uncommon in that day for him to go by two different names. Same person, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, last week I told you that from beginning to end, we have God's story. This is his story. So he's trying to tell us something. So when we read scripture, particularly when it's a narrative like this, we think about it as a scene and we think about it as a story. So we ask the questions you would in any story. Who, what, when, where, how? Those kind of questions. So who? We're talking about Moses. I've already told you who he was. I want to remind you of this setting. He's standing here as a nobody. Now we who gather in churches, we think about shepherds in kind of some glorious sense because the shepherds went to see Jesus. We have them in our nativity scenes. But then and now in the Middle East, shepherds are not thought of as nobility. Shepherds are the most common of common people. If you were to travel in the Middle East today, you would see shepherds herding their sheep, guiding their flock. And wherever you would go in that culture, they would be looked upon as the more dirty, the filthier of people. Many times they're looked upon as gypsies. Moses was a nobody, but not only a nobody, he, like me, like many of you, was a failure. Because the last time we saw him, he had just murdered a person. Now, God does not commend murder, though in that moment he did not condone it. He does as we receive the commandments going forward. But we know that this so impacted Moses' life that he ran away. And some of you have come into this place today. You're listening to the word of God, and yet you're on the run. You're in one of those desert moments of life where it's as if you only want to get away. And this is when we learn an important lesson. The lesson that God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect will. Aren't you grateful for that truth, church? That in spite of who we are, in spite of what we've done, God's willing to meet us in a moment and use us for his glory. That's who it is. Why are we here? Why is he wanting to use Moses? Well, I just told you he wants to use him by his grace for his glory, just like our why. Why are we here? Why would God want to give us a moment where we encounter him? It's only by his grace, and it's only for his glory. So what? Is Moses a shepherd? When? 40 years after he ran away from killing the Egyptian? We know that from Acts chapter 7. I'm going to turn there just real quickly, just so that you know that I'm telling the truth. In Acts chapter 7, says in verse 30, Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. We haven't gotten to that point yet in Exodus chapter 3. But Stephen, when he's preaching just before he's martyred in Acts chapter 7, he's giving us God's commentary on the life of Moses. Where is this taking place? In the desert. But at a specific place, it's called Mount Horeb. 
are the mountain of God. Or as we'll learn in Exodus chapter 20, the place where God is residing is called Mount Sinai. Now, why? Why is this going on? You remember what the name Moses means? Moses means to be drawn out. So what is God doing in this moment? Because it may relate to what God's doing in this moment here for you today. God is drawing Moses to himself in this moment to reveal who he is. And God is about to do that extraordinary thing in this very, very ordinary moment. That's the key word I I want you to get just out of this first verse, ordinary. Because you, you need to understand that God shows up in the ordinary we haven't gotten there yet, but I know you, you have you've know the Bible story. Some of you, like me, grew up where you saw it on a flannel graph. Remember those? And so you want that burning bush moment. You want God to make it so clear, kind of like we learned in Daniel. You want God to write it on the wall, but most of the time, that's not what God does. He just shows up in ordinary people's lives, in ordinary moments. You never know when your life can change forever as a result of the ordinary God moment. Say God moment. Maybe you need a God moment today. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. I want to remind you that one day our God, Jesus, is coming back. And you know what it says about that in Scripture? You know what he says about that moment? It'll be a God moment, but it's going to be an ordinary moment. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 24. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. They're making grits and bacon and biscuits and, oh, thank you, Lord. And therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. It's going to be an ordinary moment when our Jesus comes back. So we want to be ready, right? We want to be ready for God to work in the ordinary. Let's look, continue in verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. It just changed from being ordinary, didn't it? (laughs) That's different. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was not burning. This is not ordinary. It, It was not consumed. 
an angel. In, in Scripture, that word literally means a messenger of God. That's why in the book of Revelation, in John's letters to the seven churches, he says to the angels, because he's speaking to the pastors. I don't usually have people call me an angel. I'm not sure why, but it's just a messenger of God. But here, this is different, because this is not someone speaking for God, this is someone speaking as God. You're going to see that in a moment. In Scripture, the theological word for this is theophany. This is an appearance of God before man. We see those throughout Scripture. In fact, often it's thought to be the pre-incarnate Christ. I, I want to remind you, Jesus didn't show up as God Jr. in the Gospels in the New Testament. He is and was and forever has been. Jesus will say the same thing that you're going to hear God say next week later in this chapter. I am. And so what does that mean to us? Well, it means that God is working in this moment. We see another thing that's extraordinary. It's this burning bush, something that I just don't think we get from the pictures because often in the pictures you, you see this idea of this big green bush. That wouldn't have been the case. This is the desert. This is like a, a scrub bush, brittle. Now, you know enough about how fire works. What would normally happen to a scrub bush that was out in the desert that was brittle? It would burn up. It may catch fire and then it would be gone. That's what happens in a forest fire even. The fire moves on. That's not what was taking place here. The bush was burning, but it was not being consumed. So really we shouldn't say it was burning. The bush was on fire. Like God himself, never dimming, never fading, self-existent, self-sufficient all-consuming. So if the key word in the first verse was ordinary, the key word in this verse is extraordinary. From ordinary to extraordinary. Look at verse 3. And Moses said, I'll turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned? Hey, this gives us a key to a God moment. When God begins to work around me, I need to perk up. I need to begin to say, what's going on? How do I get involved in this moment? When the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Think about that. Somebody calls your name twice, what does that mean? You're in trouble. <laughs> you know why I didn't call him by his middle name? Must not have had one because when you're in trouble in my house, I call your whole name. I even do that for my dog. I've got a dog named Chevy. That's short for Chevrolet. When he messes up, I'll say, Chevy. If he doesn't listen, I'll say, Chevrolet Purvis. <laughs> Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. What's going on here? Moses first talks to himself, which is exactly what you and I would have done if you see something extraordinary, right? What the crud is going on here? I've been out in these fields for 40 years. I've never seen anything like this. 
And I want to teach you something about a God moment. When God wants to show up in a fresh and an unusual way, when God wants you to experience him like you haven't experienced him, God begins to do things that you may not understand. And I think one reason we miss out on the God moments of life is because we're so practical, we're so logical. We want to understand how two plus two equals four and how this all fits out. And we don't step forward in faith. We wait for it all to be explained before we respond. And we miss the God moments. So Moses says, uh, Moses, <laughs> what's going on here, buddy? And then he does something. Did you catch that? He turned. This was a turning point for Moses. You're never going to experience a God moment in your life if you don't have a turning point. If you don't recognize that something has to change, that begins our relationship with Christ, right? It's called repentance. We're going in this direction. And the Bible in the New Testament uses the Greek word repentance, which means I turn in a completely different direction. And I begin to go that way. But God moments always involve those turning points. Maybe you need a turning point today. Something needs to change. You need a new beginning. Notice what happens when Moses turned. Verse 4, when Moses turned, then God called to him. Think about this reality. God pursues us in spite of us, but he waits for us to turn to him. So sometimes we miss out on the God moments because we think, man, I've fallen, I've failed. I can never be what I thought I once could have been. I can never measure up. And so we don't turn to God. In the God moments, we turn to God and then he calls out to us. Again, it's just like our salvation. The Bible says that God chooses us first. That's hard for me to understand. Before I even knew about God, God chose me to be a follower of his son, Jesus Christ. However, scripture also teaches what? That I choose God. I don't know how that reconciles, but God's bigger than me. He's a God of mystery, isn't he? And so God calls out to him. And let me just say before I move on, it is a personal call. <laughs> he, he knows your name. You get that, right? You may be on the run. You may feel like you're in the desert. You may think it's been a long time since you've heard from God, but God knows your address. He knows your name. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 43, 1. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I've redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And so what does Moses say? Here I am. It's like the teacher for much of my life in many of my classes. They go through the role and, and they get to your name. And what do you say? Here, present. Moses says, here I am. It's a God encounter, a God moment. So you see the formula here. When God shows up and I respond, a God moment occurs. 
Now, let's put that in the context of what we do here each and every week. Every time we gather, we praise God. We pray to God. We give generously to God. We open the word of God so we hear from God. You know what that means? God shows up. I know God's here every time I come because if nobody else does, I brought him with me. God is here. But that doesn't make a God moment. A God moment occurs when God shows up and I respond. And for most of my life, I've heard people say, well, I go to church. Maybe I even open the Bible or I I pray and I don't feel like anything's happening. I would just say to you, are you responding to what God's already told you to do? God spoke. Moses responded. The key word here is encounter. So you, you hear the words we're saying? Ordinary moments where extraordinary things happen. We encounter God. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.